Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Zinn. I'm a mother, an author, and an entrepreneur who is committed to and curious about living a life that is always evolving. This is a lifestyle podcast covering health, both body and mind, self-care, why it is a necessity and how tough it can be to master, entrepreneurship, its ups and downs, cultural disruption, and the topics we sometimes avoid, as well as love, sex, friendship, and more. This podcast is a place and a community for people who are willing to do the hard work of growth, who want the tools and inspiration to step into it, and who want to grow each and every day of their lives. I interview movement makers, leaders, survivors, writers, and founders. Their stories move me and will move you to cultivate more strength and clarity during every step of your day. Enjoy today's episode and thanks for spending time with me at this very special place in my life over here at the Going Beyond Podcast. I'm super excited to tell you that we're hosting our first live virtual podcast event and recording on May 31st from 7 to 9 p.m. Here at the Going Beyond Podcast, we have leaned into the realities of surviving our daily lives during the COVID-19 pandemic, creating a mini-series of content on how to manage your relationships, your emotional well-being, and your businesses. To conclude the series, we're talking about how to befriend a concept of new normal, along with my go-to experts, psychotherapists, Leah Avellino and Kristen Miskell. We will dig into all the deep stuff that is up as we ponder what the future is looking like. And yes, we're leaving plenty of time for a live Q&A. We know you have questions and we're ready for them. Head over to beyondmom.com backslash events to register for this special event. Tickets are $20 each with a percentage of proceeds going to Together Rising, a nonprofit offering resources, food, and essentials to families affected by COVID-19. There will be limited spots in our event space, so sign up soon. I can't wait to see you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm really honored you're here today. This mini series that I have been recording and sharing with you is really in so many ways my contribution to this period of time to take a pause in some respects from my previously recorded episodes, which side note, we are going to start to air them again soon because they are absolutely wonderful, but to really kind of take more of a pause and start to share conversations that I'm having with some very brilliant people um, who are very prepared and knowledgeable in the topics that are coming up head on and strong during this pandemic period. It felt like the absolute right thing to do to answer your call. I put out a couple of prompts on social. I asked you guys what you wanted to hear about, what was plaguing you on the day-to-day basis, what are the things that are posing the biggest challenges, and I'm doing my best to support you it feels right. So thank you for being here. Thank you for giving to yourself. That's what this time is. So today's conversation, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how it evolved and a little bit about my personal experience with the moment that the idea was presented to me. Not long after I started this mini series, I was approached by a woman named Caroline Shrink. 
She's the founder and funeral director for Down to Earth Funerals in New York. And she reached out to me suggesting that we have a podcast episode to make space and conversation about death and grieving during this time. And I'm going to admit to you that even me, a person who has been through death, been through loss, I talk a lot about it in life, in my writing, and here on the episode, had an immediate kind of reaction, which was, oh, no, I can't talk about that here because I'm here to uplift people. I'm here to help people. And then because of my kind of visceral response that I really sort of felt in my body, I decided to contemplate a little bit harder on it, why I had that reaction. And I realized that um, along with most of us, we are sometimes unprepared to talk about death, to talk about fears of death, to talk about loss. Our culture has not done us of service (laughs) to provide us with the language, the rituals, the spiritual kind of backbone to process these very real parts of our life, just as real as birth is death. And I thought to myself, well, wow, you know, this period of time with the coronavirus is making us feel and look at and process our relationship to death and dying. If we are a person who has really lost someone recently um, due to the virus, it's clearly in your face. It is your life now. If there's friends or colleagues who are losing someone, it's in your sphere. And if you're simply contemplating the crazy numbers of people dying, you are also facing the reality of death and dying. Also, we are grieving our previous life. We're grieving the life of our children who their flow, their schedule, their school has been interrupted. Um, There's a lot of grief and loss that we are all managing right now. And it was at that moment that I contemplated this for myself that I said, well, of course we have to have this conversation. It is not one to shy away from. And it's probably the one that might serve you all, listeners, the most. So we're here today, Caroline and I, get into it. We don't really have a script. We don't have a formula, but we are going to open up. And I hope that what we talk about is going to give you language is going to normalize some of the things that you're probably feeling right now and will let you know that you're most definitely not alone. So a little bit more about Caroline. She's an extraordinarily empathic person and perfectly poised to head down to earth and forge a new direction in funeral care. Her former career as a production coordinator, setting up photography for magazines, for choosing locations, and her background in events and party planning, interestingly and uniquely positions her as someone who can handle all the details around something like death. But actually, it was the death of both of her parents that inspired her to take on a career in this industry. She nursed her father throughout his illness and his consequential death in 2008. And it seems forged a funeral experience for she and her family that was incredibly healing. And it occurred to her that this kind of more spiritual, more personal ownership of that experience uh, could really shift the relationship to death, dying, funerals, et cetera. 
so this is not only a subject that she's so personally connected to, but also has now become her profession inspired by her own personal journey. So we're going to hear a lot more about her perspective. And I'm just really honored to have Caroline today on the show. So Caroline, welcome. Thank you. It's right back at you. <laughs> I'm a big fan of yours and all of the great moms that are on this show. They all have such a unique perspective and it's been great listening to you. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. I hope that it inspires others who are listening and who have great ideas of what they feel is meaningful and poignant to talk about to know that I'm here and I will respond to you. So Caroline, there's no like formula for this conversation. As I said, as I introduced, this is unprecedented times and you as the director of Funeral Home who is committed to redefining how we relate to this topic and this experience, I'm sure that you are experiencing things that maybe you never thought you would. I'm sure you're leaning on what is most core to you right now. So I'd love for you to just share about what's going on right now and and the space that you're holding. Thank you. It is an incredibly unprecedented time. And the funeral industry has never seen anything like this. My coworkers and other people in the industry are coming together in ways that I never would have imagined. Everyone's got each other's back. Everyone's trying to help each other out as best they can. It's a very difficult time. The things that we were most trained in, which is to honor the body and to take care of the families, are the most challenging parts of what this pandemic has presented. And as you and I were just saying, it's not that it is that people are dying. It's the disease itself that's present, preventing people from honoring and gathering in a way that has healed people in the past. So there's a double sadness that comes with this. And can you explain exactly what that means right now? The usual way that someone would When someone dies, usually the family has the opportunity to spend time with someone while they're passing or to spend time with the body, even at the home or in a hospital. One of my tenets of what I do is that funerals are not one size fits all, that there's not one way to do death. And unfortunately, there are new consequences to this illness that families are not allowed to be with their loved ones when they're dying. It's very difficult for even to have a 20-minute viewing session with a body because of the complications that, I mean, the disease is not, as we know it, carried on a dead body, but because of laws now of gatherings, we can't really even do things the way we normally would grieve. So I'm seeing people being thankful for just having their loved ones, you know, taken care of it in the most basic way. And it's really sad. So what are you able to do to help families navigate this right now? Mm-hmm. Like based on your own connection to what's most important and also based on logistics available? I work with each family individually, and I sort of, what I've always done is kind of tap into what their needs are, and 
I try to be intuitive and, and think about what is the one thing that I can give this family to make them feel like they've gotten something that they need. And I took care of a friend of mine's friend's nanny's husband passed away. And the wife knew, she knew she couldn't see him. But I woke up the other morning and I thought, I just wish there were a way that her three sons could see their dad. Then she called me and she asked me if her sons could see their dad. I know that going into the funeral home right now is not an option. And I just made it work. I made it work that her sons could see his face when he got to the funeral home. It was not ideal. It was not the way we normally do things. It's normally the deceased is covered in a beautiful sheet and everything's done with a decorum. And this was really not the way things are done. And I explained it to her and she was just so thankful that they had that closure. So I'm taking care of another guy whose father passed away and he's a yoga teacher and we're doing a Zoom yoga class that's going to, you know, be dedicated to his dad. So it's really about really one thing and that's all we can really hope for in this time. You know, it's interesting too, in the first few weeks of this pandemic, um, and I know this was something that you heard me talk about before the death numbers really, really jumped in the past couple of weeks. I had a, a dear friend who lost her father. He had been ill, not Corona related, but he passed. And another dear kind of friend who I got to know through another friend who also was battling cancer. And she passed in St. Lucia a couple of weeks ago. And even just seeing how death itself, like even if it's not Corona related, has just been so painful because people can't connect. They can't be with their loved ones. They can't have a, a communal ritual. Like, of course, we can all come up with individual rituals, but if there's ever a time that community and family and that circle means something, it is very much during a process like this. I agree. And I think we're really lucky to have the internet. And even though we're not physically standing next to people, I think the support and the ability to come through even on Zoom we had a Zoom funeral and a rabbi led it, and it was actually really beautiful. There are ways, I think it's individual. I just think if you have the support emotionally from people, you're going to feel it whether or not you're in a funeral home or a graveside or on Zoom. You're, people do feel the support. The rituals that we have just really have a new face, and it just looks like nothing we've never seen. And I think it's taken grief to an insular level. And I've always believed that grief is insular and personal. So I do think that people are finding new ways to grieve. And one thing that I was always interested in is that the way we did funerals was an antiquated way and that there was going to be a new way to do this. And it's unfortunate that now people don't have an option, but I do feel that people are feeling love and support and community, even without 
being able to do what we view as traditional rituals. Well, it's interesting you say that because this kind of brings me to a bigger picture statement I'll make, and then we'll bring it back into this topic. But the big picture statement I'm making is that though so painful, and there's so many things happening that we wish weren't happening, and so many people who will suffer in a myriad of ways, it feels like to me, energetically. There's a lot of things that have needed to fall away that are going to fall away through this process. And I think we can all, if we really like look at our own lives, probably name a few of the things that we believe might need to fall away that we think might in this process. I think Mother Earth is getting her breath that she needs right now. And while the economy is a huge hit of that reality, there's this other part that feels like Mother Earth needed this breath and humans need to remember like we don't call all the shots. And so bringing it back to what you just said, there are so many antiquated ways of being that have been so personally disempowering. Like we haven't had the motivation or the belief that we can redefine things, that we can make it what we need it to be in any kind of way. It's just like we go along with a certain formula, as you said. And this is not what we want, but it is forcing us to think about how to be creative and how to say what matters most in whatever way we can, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. And I do have to say, as a funeral director, what you're saying is so true for the majority of people, hopefully, who will not lose someone. However, there is a group of people who this tragedy is multi-leveled. They have the tragedy personally, and then they have the tragedy of what we're going through. And I think that there's going to be a retroactive mourning collectively of all of these people in a very distinct way when this all hopefully is over. I think that there's going to be some positivity that comes out of this. And I really feel like I need to protect also the people who have had real tragic losses. And those people are, it's going to be harder for them to see the silver lining in any of this. Absolutely. How do you feel you can protect them? I can't. (laughs) I really can't. I can just listen to them and I can do the best I can and be the most sincere and I will say that although I am a more or less traditional funeral director, there is a commonality in funeral directors that I'm really seeing coming out in this, that they all really care about families. They are on the front lines. They are putting their lives on the lines to go into these hospitals and go into nursing homes to collect the bodies and bring them back to the funeral homes, they have taken this to a whole other level where they're putting their own safety on the line, just as much as, not as much as doctors, they are putting themselves on the line in a way that this profession really never thought, you know, this isn't what they really signed up for, but they're doing it because someone needs to do it. And it's really incredible. Wow. So going back into this topic of grief and our relationship to death, which is so ever present for all of us right now, and the fact that you have been through it two times with your parents and then witness it on a daily basis. I mean, I just would love to hear a little bit more about why you think this topic has been so challenging for us as a culture, where you see us working through that 
during this time or at least normalizing how difficult it feels to sit with the topic? Uh, you, you and I, we were speaking right before we started recording and I was talking about when I became a mom and I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old and getting emails when I gave birth saying, welcome to the club. And it was such a great feeling and it was such a great, amazing club to be in. And then when my kids were two and four, my dad passed away from complications with Alzheimer's and he developed pneumonia. And all of a sudden I was in another club. And I think that just the way we prepare ourselves for every stage of life, this is a stage of life that isn't just the incident of dying, it's part of our life. And the way we take care of ourselves spiritually and emotionally and physically is just as important when something like a tragedy hits us as it is when we're preparing for a birth of a child. It's a process and it's not an incident. It's a process and it's fluid and it, the sadness goes in ebbs and flows. And it's really about how you are as a person and how you prepare yourself for it that will, will get you through it. And taking it back to how we're dealing with death now is it's bringing it back to the individual and the individual way of mourning because we're not able to collectively mourn right now. We're able to process things individually. And I just think that that's, I think that death is not a conversation. It's not an event. It's part of life. And it's and when you integrate it into your life and you have the community, it's just something that, that you have and that you live with continual. Yes. When you lose somebody, particularly one of your closest, you do enter that club. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing even happened when you reached out to me. It was like, you said you lost your parents. I said, I lost my dad. Like, And immediately we know that, that we have an understanding between us. And so what being that I would define that connection as something positive in my life. I've met other people, of course. I mean, I lost my dad when I was 25. So I consider that pretty young <clears throat> as far as what's typical. Of course, I didn't. It was interesting to me when you were talking about being able to see your parent or your loved one after they pass. I never had that because there was an accident that was related and there was a crash and a fire. I mean, I never had any of that. It was gone. So it's an interesting thing because I kind of have an understanding of what that would feel like to have no visual, no closure, no connection in that way. I myself have had to very much rely upon the spirit of my relationship with him over anything else. And I went deeply over many years and still go there into the study of other cultures and religions and how they have looked at death and dying and ritual and healing. I found my yoga practice on a whole other level after that. It was my way of processing through my body yeah, there is a recognition with others who have gone through profound and immediate loss. You are in a club. I'm wondering what that's going to look like for this club, this period of time. And I'm brought to think about that because of how you addressed this group that's going to have a hard time finding the silver lining, as you said. Like, what 
what can we do for this group, whomever they ultimately are? I think after this is all over, hopefully there will be a retrospective way for people who have lost during this time to gather and to have memorials, even though it'll have to be at a later time. I think that it's going to be about their community and how their community really comes together and takes care of them now. I don't think it's traditional. I don't think just like you didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye. I think every death is individual. It's as individual as when we give birth. You can have a birth plan and then everything can go to hell and it's not at all what you saw. You can have the opportunity to say goodbye to someone and choose not to. When my father was dying, he was in hospice and I was talking to a healer on the phone. She was in Michigan. And I said, I can't go into the room. I can't walk into this room that my dad was in. I had been nursing him at the hospital, but now with hospice, it looked so different. It looked like the end and I just couldn't walk in the room. And I called her and I said, I feel like I should. What should I do? She said, well, he's sort of already transitioning. What you really see there is his body, but he's already leaving it. And I actually was not with my father when he passed. I chose not to be with him because our connection was so close that if I had been sitting next to him and crying, he would have taken whatever energy he had to try to take care of me at that time. And I didn't want him to do that. So I chose not to be with him. And I remember one of my friends saying to me, you're going to regret this. Go in there. You're going to regret this. And I've never regretted it. So I think that people, when they have loss, look at what has happened and they have no choice but to play out the way it's happened. And it's really going to be about their internal way of healing. There's no other way to to explain it. But this one's hard for people. This one is very hard. Even though they had underlying, most of my cases that I've had with COVID have had underlying conditions, but these people weren't ready necessarily to die. Yeah. Well, what you just said is very profound. It's almost like, huh. So with all of that said, let's come back to this reality that we're all sitting with our thoughts, our fears, our relationship to loss. And that's loss of many things right now. Mm -hmm. I'd just love to hear some of your insight on what we might do with those thoughts, those feelings, how we might work with ourselves during this time. I think we're going to get there. I think we're all going to come back strongly and Like you said, it's a new awareness. It's a new way of looking at the world. It's a new appreciation for what we have. I think when someone passes after this pandemic is dissuaged, we're going to take death seriously in a way that we will feel lucky to be able to have choices. And the conversation hopefully will change about death and about what people's wishes are, because I think what we're seeing now is that it's really about how the living move on and how the living is taken care of. And tenants of my business is funerals for the living. While we respect the dead, it's really what we would want is to for our loved ones to move on and 
to know that they're going to be okay. And I think understanding death and understanding the reality of it and planning for it, it's really the gift that you give to those left behind. And I think that people now who are going through this see how much guilt they feel for not being with their loved ones at their bedside and not being able to properly take care of them after and attend a funeral. And I think that there's so much guilt that they shouldn't have, but they naturally have that if they have the opportunity to take away any of the question marks for the next generation, I think there's going to be, people are going to see this as an opportunity to help their loved ones after they pass. Yeah, I feel you. I get what you're saying. So because this is a time where we are all processing so much and a topic like this is so up and someone like yourself who has been through it again, professionally and personally, what would be some tips that you would give to those of us socially distancing, feeling all of this in their bodies? What are some things they can do for uh, processing or self-awareness? What are some things you might suggest folks, you know, read or listen to? I think sometimes in a time like this, we feel all this stuff, but it's like we don't always know what to do for ourselves. I think connection and family and really being honest with the people that you love and reaching out to them and doing Zoom calls with your friends and inviting maybe someone who isn't in your group to your group. My best friend's stepfather passed away right at the beginning of this, although he did not pass away from this disease. It was during the time of it, so his funeral was limited and there was no shiva. And so to do, her mom did do a group shiva with the stepfather's family. But then my friend said the other night, my mom wants to come to one of our wine Zoom calls. So we're arranging that. An understanding of the smallest, tiniest things to reach out to people. And we all know this. It's just to take care of yourself and to take care of others. I think it's coming back to really the most basic things that we have. I don't think any of this other stuff matters anymore. It's really about, it's about loving your kids and loving who you're with and really just having a foundation so that when bad things happen, you have an inner strength and a foundation to withstand it. And do you think that our connections with others is, is really like what that's about? Or do you think that like some of the things we can individually pursue create that or both? I think it's both. I think in terms of what I know from the rituals of funerals, one of the things that I've noticed in the way that I've done some funerals is that when you're grieving and you have a gathering, you are the center of attention. And it's almost, if that's not your personality, it's actually a really difficult thing to be the receiver. Even though people want to reach out to you and connect with you and tell you their thoughts, it's a lot of energy to be that person. It's like being the bride, like being a bride at a wedding you never wanted to be at. 
And I, the, one of the last funerals that I did before this happened was in a home in a house that my friend's father-in-law lived in for 50 years. Thank God he was 90. And we had it in the home. We had a bar. We had Prosecco. We had, it was a wonderful gathering. And what it, I saw the most was that it took the pressure off the family from having to receive. And receiving takes a lot out of people. And this was more of a general gathering of people who had a common cause for being there, but there wasn't this pressure of here I am on display with everyone telling me how sorry they are. There was more of a flow to it. And that's what I'm hoping we can get back to when all of this is over. Yeah. No, I get it. You even think about, they literally call it a receiving line and like you have to stand there and people come up to you and say what they say and you have to hold so much at that time. It's pretty intense. So it sounds like the wish and the hope is that people are going to redefine their sense of community and connection with one another because there's certain things we can't do right now in terms of what we've typically done in the face of death and loss, and that potentially that could redefine the way in which we gather, honor, create ritual around this topic in the future. I agree. And I think people are going to say what they need because they can't get what they need now. So if you have the opportunity, if someone says to you, what can I do for you right now? There's really not much people can do. And in the future, when we actually can go outside and we actually can physically do things for people and emotionally do things for people, we're going to be so happy that we get to do it. And we're going to be so happy to have that dialogue back that I think you're going to see people really being more open to asking for things because right now they can't. That's a really good point. It's like we're being forced to kind of well, it, it will I hopefully like result in the fact that we are being forced to see things in a different way. Totally. Yeah. Wow. It's very enlightening. What else do you want people to know right now, Caroline? Before we say goodbye, like what are the most important things that you want people to know or share? I think just really taking inventory of what you have and appreciating what you have. I think you and I were speaking, and for me as a mom, not having parents right now has been really hard. And I think everyone has different levels of how they deal with this crisis. A friend of mine said, I'm really worried about my parents. And of course I think, well, at least you have parents to worry about, but is that better or is that worse? I would be a mess worrying about my mother right now if she were alive. So I think we all have, in some way, this is the great equalizer. And in some ways, it's the great showing how different all of our lives are. Because, you know, some people can be protected from this. And then there's others that, that really can't. So I think really taking inventory, really telling people how you feel, really being honest with them, really having honest conversations that maybe you were afraid to have about death. And, you know, just like the moms do their birth plan, you can really have a death plan and really try to understand what that looks like. If your parents are afraid to talk about it or an older person in your life or, or just even your husband, I always say like, if you want to have this conversation with your parents, have it first with your spouse. 
about what they would want for themselves at the end of their lives, or God forbid there was some kind of accident or tragedy. But it's really about helping the other person see what your needs are, because if not, you're you're left with this unopen question of what they would have wanted, and that leads to guilt, and that's what everyone who's dealing with this particular time is dealing with. And I think having the conversations is going to be such an enlightening gift after this is all over. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things we've been afraid to talk about and feel. There's no running from it now. So it's everywhere. And I mean, I'm sure some people are trying to numb themselves out from it, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Yeah. But for those of us that are not numbing to the best of our ability and are awake and paying attention and feeling the topic here in this conversation is real and heavy, but similar to you, Caroline, I really hope that we can find more of a common language and at the same time, an embracing of our unique perspectives and desires and expressions on the topic because it is part of life. And those of us that have been through it so close, we know that, like that's our club. Yeah, you know, it can be a positive thing. In some ways, I know it's when you have little kids and you don't have a parent to see their stages, it's almost like you're grieving each time something happens to your kid. That's great. You're almost grieving them all over again. My younger son was applying to high schools last year, and my dad grew up in the Bronx, and he was in the first four-year class at Bronx Science. So Bronx Science started one year and he was the freshman class. So he was the first to complete all four years. And in my family, this was lore. This was such a big deal that my dad had gone to such a prestigious school. And my younger son was applying to high school. And I would say to him, you can't go to Bronx Science. And he'd say, why? I said, because I'm going to cry every single morning if you go there. And right now, Bronx Science is sort of depending on who you are, but my son applied to Stuyvesant. And when my ex-husband and I would talk on the phone and we would disagree about schools, he would end the conversation or I would end the conversation saying, fine, he'll go to Bronx Science because that was his fallback. And so to think that my dad would see that his grandson saw that as a fallback. And anyway, my son goes to Stuyvesant. And it was a whole new level when I went there for the parent meeting. And I thought about my dad and how he would be so incredibly, I mean, he is so incredibly proud because I know he's there. It's just you you live it all over again when you have little kids because you just really wish they could be there. 100%. Yeah. I'm sort of smiling because I really relate to your story. My dad went to Brooklyn Tech. Oh, okay. And it was like a very similar kind of thing, like that pride in like having achieved that and going to such a prestigious New York science school and I really get that connection and that longing. And yeah, you will grieve. The thing about loss and anything that could be defined as traumatic, you know, it's just, I did an episode the other day that will air all about trauma. And like really trauma, it really can be defined as anything that sort of limits or shifts the gears of like the path that you are on in a kind of abrupt 
manner. And I think this period of time is that. And in my experience, I've always seen trauma or mostly seen trauma a little bit in retrospect. Like you look back and you're like, wow, that was traumatic. But I think what's happening now is like we're seeing this for what it is. And because we're forced to slow down and we're feeling in a certain kind of way, we're like, we are in a traumatic period. And there is loss there and there's grieving that's happening. And it's all happening at the same time, even if we're the lucky ones that don't have or won't have somebody actually die from the coronavirus. Yeah, it's all different levels. And I think that's also that what we're seeing in life is that there's privilege, there's all different levels of luck, there's all different levels of health. And I think we also are going to see how much we actually can control a lot of this ourselves. We can try our best to take care of ourselves if we have that opportunity. We can control a lot of it. And I think we're going to not take that as something we have to do, but more of an opportunity and a gift that we have that we can do it. So as much as I love my Zoom yoga class, we're going to have to get used to going back into the real world. We're going to have a whole new re-entry of how do we, we're learning how to be in this world. And now we have to think about how we're going to go back to the world that we once lived in. Yeah. We're going to go from talking about how this is so traumatic to how that's going to be a whole other level. Yes. Well, one step at a time, right? Well, let's get through like <laughs> the rest of the school year. And- exactly. <laughs> The homeschool year. Exactly, (laughs) which is its own trauma. (laughs) Well, Caroline, I think you're amazing. And I would love for you to share with our listeners where they can follow you and find you if they need you. Sure. The name of my company is Down to Earth Funerals. And the website is www.dtefunerals.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Down to Earth Funerals NYC. You can call me or text me. There's a button on my website that says reach out and I am available to talk to people. If you're having a personal crisis where someone you know is dying or close to death, even if you're using another funeral service, I'm really happy to talk to people. I'm really happy to tell them what the process is. I really relate this to childbirth, which is it wasn't so much that you were in pain. It's just that you really want to know what's going to happen next. And I think that's a really important part of this process. So I'm really happy to share my knowledge with people and help them through this because it's something that I know really well and it's something and I feel that I can make a difference and I'm really, I feel good about myself when I help other people. So please reach out if there's anything that I can do. Thank you so much. And thank you for all of the hard emotional, soulful work that you're doing. That's so necessary. And I will never take your profession again, likely after hearing, not that I did, but you really enlightened me as to what really goes into this. So big, big thank you and a lot of respect. Thank you. I look forward to getting to know you more in the future, Caroline. And again, thank you for your support and listeners. Thank you. I'm 
certain this conversation gave you some food for thought and hopefully supported you in somewhere that you need it. If you have friends or family that are navigating this very challenging period of time and the topic of death and loss is up, do send this episode to them and maybe it will offer some solace, some connection, some information. That's what this is for. So continue to take good care of yourself and until next time, bye.